Hello, everyone, and welcome to ESG in VC podcast, where we try to dive into ESG-related topics, exploring how investors, regulators, and founders try to build a more sustainable and inclusive society. I'm your host, Aksana Stowe, and today we will hear from Tracy Barba. Tracy is one of the most active ESG leaders, with more than 15 years of experience working on social and environmental initiatives within private equity and venture capital firms, as well as family offices and angel investor networks. She is currently the head of ESG at 500 Startups, one of the most active global early-stage VCs. Previously, she has done some amazing things like directing communications and public affairs at Social Finance US, the pioneering firm behind the social impact bond. I'm very excited to have her with us. Let's jump right in. Hi, Tracy. Great to have you with us. I actually want to start a little bit with your personal journey into ESG and why you decide to focus on ESG specifically within venture context. Sure. Well, hello, and thank you for having me. Let's see. I started my career in venture capital many years ago, almost two decades ago, and I came across, it was a very exciting place to be because you get to work with all of these companies that are sort of on the cutting edge of new technologies and innovation. And you get to see the possibilities for where the future is headed in the world. And at about 2007, I guess, I started working with a venture firm that was an early investor in Tesla and a number of other environmental technology solutions. And I got the bug then (laughs) that you could actually use venture to fund companies that were going to have a positive impact on the world. And I spent the next decade or so in impact investing and then came back to traditional VC and thought it would be great to think about how it is that we could at least start at the very early stages of venture capital investing, not necessarily start with an impact or an environmental thesis, but ensure that the companies, whether they're an enterprise SaaS company or a fintech company, we're starting to think about how to make their companies diverse, making them more environmentally friendly and responsible, building in responsible tech solutions and processes into their design, their product design early on. And what if we could do that? We could really start a shift and a change in the next generation of Fortune 500 companies, the next Googles, the next Apples, et cetera. So that's a long sort of winding story of how I ended up back working in venture and early stage venture and now really looking at it less from a direct impact perspective and more from how can I help the next generation of large companies become more responsible. Cool. And this sort of brings me to my next question, which comes up in conversations with quite a few founders. When is the right time to start to think about ESG practices? Is it ever too early? Can you really produce something meaningful if you are few people team would be great to get your thoughts given what a variety of startups you have worked with. So I don't think that it's ever too early. 
I think that starting to think about it, even when you're three people with three different laptops sitting at three different locations is a good thing. It's something that we have implemented at 500 and an approach that we've taken is that we screen companies not so much based on how much they're doing, what is their carbon output, because we invest in companies that are quite early in their development. And what we look for is instead, where are they on their journey? Have they started to think about things like non-discrimination policies? If their next round of hiring, how are they thinking about making sure that they have the most diverse candidate pool and how do they do that? My job is really to identify for those early stage companies where they are in their journey and then to help them with tools and training and consulting resources to help them to start to think about how to integrate these ESG into their processes as they grow. And then I think it becomes a question of the win is always part of it. I rarely talk to companies who don't understand or who don't want to adopt these practices. But the real question is, when do you start formalizing them? And I think one thing a couple of studies have said, by the time you get to 15 employees, your culture is set. So if you're a team of three males and you're thinking about hiring three more people, four more people, you probably want to be thinking about how it is that you're going to intentionally recruit more diverse pool of candidates to choose from for your next couple of hires, because that will start to become very critical. Same thing with whether or not you're looking at climate and integrating those kinds of measures into your company. It's probably a good thing to start thinking about how it is that you're thinking about your own carbon footprint, whether it's just travel. How do you get to the office? How many often are you traveling? Are there ways that you're starting to think about that? Your own personal values as a team starting to discuss and understand where different people are so that you can start to develop policies with all of your stakeholders in mind, including investors. So it's never too early to start that process. I think it's an ongoing and iterative process. And I know that's how we approach it at 500. And we advise companies to approach it as well. It becomes more critical, obviously, as they grow and more employees, but there's no real point in their growth that you can point to and say, now is the time. I think it really starts with a foundational understanding and how you do this is to start to put it on the agenda, the team agenda, starting to track it, even if it's just for three employees, having it, talking about it, whether it's quarterly or monthly basis, and then starting to move into action as you start to grow. Yeah, well said, well said. And just have you noticed the difference in LP approach in terms of how they think about ESG adoption, maybe going back two years or five years versus now, this became a much more prominent topic. And it would be interesting to see if you have noticed a difference. And do you think that that's sort of the strongest lever within the venture context where which will drive the adoption actually yeah i think lps have started to ask more and more about esg in their diligence process especially for some of the larger institutional lps and then also for family offices or individuals who are just passionate and as part of their value system is making sure that their investments 
have a net positive impact. So I do see that changing. I see it being asked more and more. I do see it being written about more and there's more media coverage and there's more attention paid to it. I think where the challenge is right now, exactly what you just asked me about the early stage companies and when to adopt ESG policies and practices. I think that the LPs also, they don't know exactly when to be asking for what, at what stage, what does that look like and what are best practices? And I think that the field is evolving and it's moving quite quickly. I joined a group, Venture ESG, I think based out of Europe. And it's worth noting that Europe, I think, is ahead of us in this respect about two years ago. And I think their membership has grown to almost 300 members now. And 70 LPs. So lots of funds that are interested in this. And I think to your question about what's the driver, you can see regulatory pressures in Europe playing a role in driving more adoption of ESG and also trying to prevent greenwashing, which is the other component that needs to be go along with the regulation is really understanding. It's one thing to require it, but it's another thing to really understand what the asset class needs to do and can do what's possible so that you can prevent sort of greenwashing. I also think that the media attention has helped tremendously. It certainly sparks conversations in our own partnership around these issues. And I think that LPs are going to play an incredibly important role in advancing the adoption of ESG within venture. And uh, what do you think as a main barriers to the adoption? Obviously, stage and sort of thinking that it's too early, it's too complex, but what other barriers do you see? I think the other barrier is materiality. So in the public market space with ESG, at least in the US, a lot of it is driven by SASB, which is now I think become part of ISS. There's been a convergence of value reporting initiative, and now it's it's become a part of a larger body. But SASB as a standard is really tied to financial materiality of what things are considered to be financially material to companies. And if you back that into an early stage company, you could imagine that you could wait quite a while before you made the decision to adopt climate emission targets or sort of reporting or even requiring it if you only use a standard of financial materiality. So it's a real challenge that a lot of what is driving the conversation right now is around materiality, because we also don't have a lot of data to support diversity. We have a lot of research that says diversity on boards, for example, is going to help ultimately teams to make better decisions, to be more profitable, to raise more money, potentially, but we don't have any sort of causation. Like we don't have a lot of research that suggests that if you do X, then you're going to increase this by Y. We also don't have a lot of venture firms that are requiring ESG yet. So it's really hard to make the case to founders that if you invest in these things, then it's going to be valued by the next round of funders that you go to. So that's also a barrier. So it's a little bit of the LPs getting in and really helping to shape would be considered best practices, working alongside of the GPs so the GPs can identify where the gaps are and help to shape and form that. 
I think also founders understanding that there's a benefit to that long term and making the investment early and making the case for that because founders, as you know, are often focused on the next problem they're trying to solve, especially if it's a customer or they're trying to gain traction and they may very well want to be very environmentally responsible and help to contribute towards climate change in a net positive way, but maybe don't think it's material financially to their business at a particular point in time of growth. And so I think the fact that we don't have standards that really sort of address these issues with early stage venture, that we don't have yet LP buy-in or GP buy-in because we don't have a clear path is part of the barrier. And so education, collaboration, lots of that needs to happen. The good news is that we have a lot to learn from already, from the work that PRI has done in private equity, the work that has been done in ESG around public markets and private equity. So we don't have to recreate the wheel. And I guess that's the other sort of barriers that when people think about ESG, they sometimes conflate it with impact. So they feel like there is a compromise there, which isn't the case. And they also don't know where to start and they don't know how to get started in the process. And so those things are all barriers that I think with more collaboration and education, which there are a number of different groups. PRI just released their LP survey. So we're getting more and more research shining a light on what are some of the gaps. Venture ESG, we're funding a research paper with SASB to look at the gaps in SASB as they relate to venture. So I think you'll see more of that in this next year, but those are some definitely some of the hurdles. And do you think that business community kind of treats this as a truly meaningful exercise? Or do you think that we can be in danger, that it will be sort of a compliance tick and it will be more like, oh my goodness, this is another reporting thing I have to do? I think it depends. The way I see it is there are a lot of founders who are quite interested in making sure that their companies avoid and mitigate the risks associated with environment and diversity and a number of other issues, but also that see the value. They see that customers are more interested in companies that are transparent and that are sustainable more and more, right? Especially I hate to say it because I'm a bit of an older generation, but the next generation, they seem to be more aware of these kinds of activities and want to make sure that the companies that they're engaging with are being transparent and honest about it. And I think that is also going to be a driver. And I think companies are aware of that. They're also aware of that from an, a talent and attraction of new employees I think we get a lot of startups that ask about those kinds of things. What kind of policies should they have in place, knowing that they're going to have diverse sort of pool of employees that are going to be looking for certain kinds of benefits in a certain culture? And so how do they create that from the very beginning? I think those kinds of things are positive signs about where things are headed and that companies really do value this. Now, when that meets the reality of day-to-day sales or product development or clients that don't maybe put a high priority on these things, then that's where checking the box exercises come into play because you're always juggling those different kinds of priorities. And I think 
it's a little bit of we're building it as we're sort of still have a lot of companies that are growing and developing. So it will continue to sort of be on a one by one sort of case basis where companies are concerned, I think, until we see a bigger momentum from the markets, putting pressure on all facets of the ecosystem, including investors. Yeah, agree. And just to come back to the materiality point that you mentioned earlier, is it sort of, are we falling into a trap that once again, because there is not enough evidence to have a direct correlation between adopting strong ESG practices and it results in better cash flows, better firm value and so on. Is it wrong once again to sort of everything goes back to a dollar sign or are we ready to decouple it and not always refer back to that? You know, I think some of the discussions that have happened at the the beginning of this year or pieces that I've read about the role of the CEO, I've seen a lot of this in the past, especially coming from the impact investing side of the world for many years, but it seems to be more mainstream now for some reason. It seems to strike me as being, I'm having these conversations with people that I wouldn't have expected. Inside the impact bubble, of course, we always have these kinds of conversations about what is capitalism and where are the lines drawn and how do we fix it? But I think, again, being driven a lot by next generation employees and consumers and investors wanting to change the way we think about the capital markets and the role that they play in society. And I think there's also just increased awareness about the environment and putting more pressure and putting more of a spotlight on that, I think, does have people wondering what is the role of capital markets and what is the role of a CEO and it just about the bottom line. And how can it just be about the bottom line when you're looking at the world today? So I think I'm encouraged by those conversations and I'm encouraged that it's more a part of conversations with a broader and more diverse group of people than I have had in the past. And I hope that means a signal for change because no, I don't think it works. Business as usual is doesn't work. Yeah. And tech is always about disruption. And so it comes with changes and pains and I guess it for, for good, hopefully for good. <laughs> Well, Tracy, this was great. And thank you so much for joining us. And let's stay in touch. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being part of this podcast. And stay tuned for the next episode. As always, please do not forget to subscribe, rate, or follow ESG in VC on LinkedIn, Instagram, or Twitter. Until next time, I'm Oksana Stowe, and this is ESG in VC.